Enterprise Management 360, your main source for tech news, analysis, podcasts, and videos for the enterprise. Hello and welcome to the EM360 podcast, where we have a weekly conversation with people who are impacting the enterprise tech landscape. Make sure you stay up to date with all our latest episodes by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you go for your podcast needs. My name is Max Curtin, Head of Content here at EM360, and your host on today's podcast. And today I'm excited because I'm being joined, or I should really say rejoined, by Jamil Ahmed, who is a distinguished engineer at Solace. Now, Jamil recently spoke to us about the advantages of being an event-driven enterprise. It's on one of our recent tech chats, and you can find that on our website under episode 86. Today, he's joining us to give us further insight into event-driven architecture, or as we'll refer to it as EDA from now on. So, Jamil, welcome back. It's uh, it's good to have you on. Good to be back, Max. Excellent. And uh, I'm looking to delving further into this subject and feel like the the podcast format gives us that opportunity to explore this a little bit more. And I wanted to kick off the show here by, you know, last time when we spoke on the tech chat, you you gave us an overview of what it means to be an event-driven enterprise. But to delve deeper into that, can you give us a little bit more about the actual architecture and, you know, what is EDA? Sure. So, a uh, little bit of a recap then. So EDA is is a is a means to an end, and the end is to achieve a real time communication. So for most businesses, there's advantages to be had by you know whether it's customer experiences or being aware of kind of new orders. The real time aspect of it is is really the, the focus here. And you know even as humanity or civilization, we've been kind of moving to real time. Um, with a sense of inevitability, we've gone from sending letters on horseback to electrical signals over telegram to now kind of flashes of light <laughs> through glass, right? So mm-hmm. um, generally, the world is getting faster, more connected, more real time. And EDA is essentially a way of organizing our IT systems, our applications and services to also um, respond in that way in, in a more real time fashion. Exactly. It's uh, the quicker the world gets, the more prevalent this kind of technology becomes and uh, more more essential it is for a lot of organizations. And I wanted to get from yourself a bit of a more more detailed overview of the kind of, because when you look at EDA, there's, there's three prevalent styles which really jump out. So from your standpoint, what are the similarities and differences between these three styles? Sure. So to kind of elaborate elaborate a little bit on what I said earlier. So EDA, the first thing it gives you is is a means of kind of passing data or information um, in the form of an event. And and the clues in the name in that as it happened, I want to be kind of driving my processes and, and experiences off that. So once you've kind of thought in that way of everything is an event, all data change or state change is an event. There's kind of three prevalent ways of implementing that. Um, One is the event is quite simply just the notification, um, as in it's happened, there you go, I've told you. (laughs) Uh, Kind of think of it in the real world, it it may be um, your credit card provider's app telling you on your phone, oh, you've just had a charge, right? You've just had a transaction and it stops there. So you might then be thinking, um, how do I then find out what, what that is? What was the charge? Was it me? Was it someone else? So inevitably, you kind of have to go and log on to your 
credit card provider's website, perhaps, or the app in more detail to then see, okay, this is this is what it was, right? So you could then think, why just stop at the notification? Why why should the event just tell me it happened? Why not give me the data or information to actually act on it as well? So you kind of move to the the next way of doing event, which is kind of event carried state transfer. So just a kind of long fancy way of saying the event itself would also tell you what it was or the kind of supplemental information required to kind of act on it. So instead of just a notification in the previous example of telling you you've had a charge, it may be, okay, you've had a charge of 20 pounds at this petrol station. So immediately you're able to kind of um, contextualize what it is. Do I need to do anything further? If I do, or if, if I want, if I need to query it, maybe it wasn't yourself and, and, and somebody else is for that charge on your card. At least you know straight away, okay, for, at this retailer for 20 pound, it wasn't me. Um, it's somebody else. I need to now query it, right? Maybe it's your additional card holder in the household, right? So just a kind of simple real-world example of how just being event-driven, um, there's not a single way of achieving it, right? Um, the the ultimate aim, which, are, which is what I said before, which is to be real-time or to act on things as they happen, when it comes to actually implementing it, you know, from an application developer or a system architect, there's variations possible. So those are the kind of two big ones. From you know my personal perspective, um, the the event carried state transfer is the most useful way of doing this because it has some natural advantages that um, we can we can perhaps get get into um, later on. But complete it out. The third common thing around EDA is this event sourcing idea, which is a way of saying if everything's an event and building on the previous example of the event also being meaningful and carrying details of what changed or you know what was the transaction, what was the customer that placed the order, the series of those events, if you kind of look at it in unison, actually uh, makes up your total state. So it, it could, in fact, replace a database of the past that would have been where you go and query, you know, what are the, the transactions on this card or what's the details of this particular card member. Just something sitting on the side consuming the totality of all the events that have been sent out should be able to rebuild that state of the world as in know everything that needs to be known, all the pertinent info, just, just as a consumer of your event stream. So. Just a kind of a common way of um, implementing EDA. And each of these are, you know, solving different types of problems. Um, the event sourcing example in particular is dealing with the application architecture of I've got this huge database in the middle of my world and that's precious. I, I can't really give direct access to that database or even scale it out to multiple locations or on-prem and cloud. So event sourcing is a nice pattern to kind of address that by saying, actually, the database that was the heart of the architecture is not the be-all and end-all anymore. Event sourcing through you know, consumption of all these events of state changes gives you an equivalent of the database elsewhere. And that's essentially what event sourcing uh, is trying to achieve.
Definitely. And this is one of the reasons I always like speaking to you, Jamil, because you always give such good real world examples to make it kind of uh, digestible for people. So we're looking at event notification, event carried state transfer and event sourcing. And obviously they bring a lot of benefits um, going forward for an organization. Um, Other benefits that I wanted to touch upon as well, that the EDA kind of brings and you know, please feel free to go into detail of these as, you know, scalability, resilience, agility, unlocking data, and also that kind of accelerating that pivot to public cloud. So why are these aspects so important in the modern business world and, and the role that EDA plays? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. So EDA or the move to real time isn't happening in isolation. If uh, it's just one of the kind of mega trends in IT at the moment. And um, the other things that are kind of happening at the same time are, you know, move to cloud <laughs> as one big one. There's um, other requirements that uh, around scalability or resilience that are just taking on a bit more importance than they did before. I want to say it like that because nobody will look at their application and say, oh, I, I wasn't interested in scalability or resilience or agility in the past, right? It's just got a new dimension to it now. And an, an example would be, especially on the scalability front, is, you know, look at the, the scalability of the internet. Most, um, that's, that's quite a great benchmark to have. Is my service or my app or my system able to achieve internet scale? Right? And, and that's like saying I could have a kind of business front in the UK and have a customer potentially buying from me all the way in Australia, right? It's, it's the other side of the world. And being able to architect your system to, to do that really is um, one of the, some of the requirements that are snapping on to the whole EDA journey at the same time. So EDA isn't looked at in isolation. It's usually got other drivers like, oh, I need to be more scalable so I can reach perhaps customers or at least have a effective customer experience wherever they may be. So that would be an example of scalability. Um, resilience would kind of snap on that as well to say it's not enough for me to have the reach. I also need to be available and, and tolerant to failure and tolerant to infrastructure underneath kind of failing on, on the app, right? So EDA, if, if anybody's kind of approaching it, would want these things ticked as well. I want the move to cloud to also be enabled. I want to be more agile as I deliver, uh, deliver functionality or new customer experiences. I need to be able to deliver and roll those out um, with ease. So these are kind of disparate requirements, but they're all kind of happening at the same time because they're interrelated. and the short answer really is they're, they're interrelated and they are valid and expected requirements to have on your EDA journey. Definitely. And we'll get into kind of the deploying a, a strategy in a sec, but I'm just curious. Obviously, we're talking about agility, scalability, you know, doing everything quick and, and fast and everything being in, in live time. But sometimes this isn't a reality for some organizations. So when we're kind of talking about those organizations, where will they struggle? Is it, is it from a structural standpoint? Is it from a mindset? Like, what about those organizations that are really going to have to maybe overhaul to get EDA in place? 
I think you hit upon the, the exact right points there, which is we've been talking exclusively in the language of technology at the moment, right, or thus far. But that's not the, the big picture here. If, if you're going to be, be more agile in your delivery, more scalable, that inherently has some cultural aspect to it as well because the, the mindset of how you um, deliver functionality in an iterative manner, um, how you access such real-time information to, to actually not waste the advantage of it being real-time, it, it needs business and IT to come together. And, and for sure, if anybody's kind of embarking on an EDA journey and they haven't got the business element, at least part of the conversation, you're kind of missing a trick to ensure success because EDA, even by itself, has values to the business side because even though you know traditionally this would have been looked at as an integration technology or so in the integration space, that's too narrow a focus because the, the, the true EDA advantage is, is being able to kind of unify IT with business. So... Um, and, and, and data at the heart of most systems has always been this opaque thing. How, how do I know what's available to me or where it is or what it does it look like? And EDA allows you to couch all of your interactions, all of your data transfer, all of your state transfers in business language because instead of saying, oh, this field has been updated in, in, in a database table, you're now saying something like, oh, at this order has been placed or this refund has has, has taken place against um, against the previous order that is that is automatically kind of business accessible language and architecting your um, EDA with the correct business language also needs input from from the business side right and from a methodology or, or a workflow point of view in terms of how to do this effectively, you have to have um, the the voice of the business represented. Yeah. So so whose responsibility would that kind of fall on then to marry up that IT business relation? Is it a tech solution? Is it a person within the organization? How do you kind of get to that point? It's uh, it's a little bit of both, and and it's different per the size of the organization. So some large organizations currently have roles like a data scientist and that's a little bit closer to the business side because what they're essentially trying to do is tap into all the data that's available as a business and then see if there's insights to be had or if there's um, a new product offering to be created for that role to be effective and, and even if it's not called the grand title of, <laughs> of data scientists um, it may even be subsumed in other roles like um, they would have been a business analyst in the past, or maybe it's in a, in a smaller organization, someone who wears many hats, who represents the business, has got a fairly close relationship with technology and IT, but they don't, they don't really define themselves with a, with a fixed role. They would be interested in more accessible um, consumption of data, or at least discovery of data, know what's there. And the kind of biggest advantage you give for that role, whatever it may be called, is they, they uh, are not behind the opaqueness of what does, what does the data look like or where does it live? They can just speak within their business vocabulary. I'm looking to find out when a customer has 
perhaps started their shopping experience and then abandoned it, right? So those could be uh, two different events now where the kind of e-commerce journey started, but it didn't go to, com to completion with a checkout or a basket checkout. So new product opportunity there could be, okay, so we need to then assess who the customer is or if it's a previous customer that we, we know of, maybe we can kick off some recommendation engine around what they may be interested in or um, make suggestions of kind of related products against what they have in their basket today. All of these are capabilities that the, the business side would be originating, right? Whatever the role may be. And to be able to facilitate that conversation a bit better is one of the kind of outcomes of doing EDA well. Yes, very much so. And, and it's, it's interesting to kind of have that approach for, for a lot of organizations. And I hope people who are kind of listening to this podcast and, and listening to you speak, uh, you know, some light bulbs are starting to, to switch on a little bit, uh, that they can have this control over the data and they can see those kind of live updates coming in. So I think the kind of logical question is to kind of ask, you know, we've we've got the the organization kind of going like, okay, this is something that we need to be looking at. What are those first steps that organizations should take in deploying a successful EDA business strategy? What's the the foundations that they need to put in to make this this work? Yeah, so the foundations um, kind of cut across the layers, really. So if you kind of take your requirements before around scalability, resilience, and agility, there's there's a physical aspect of it. Um, the technology that you're using for your EDA journey, can it meet those demands, right? Can it be scalable? Can it follow me onto my cloud pivot or my cloud journey? So there's that technical part of it. And then we should ask the question of what is what, what's being done today to really enable that business side? Because that's that's where the value is going to come from. That's where the new business advantage, the competitive differentiation is going to come from. And what is available tooling-wise to help there as well, right? So if you've now got um, EDA in place, everything's an event, all of that has been kind of um, put in place, there's still a danger that it's not accessible. As in, how how does the non-technical user go and even do something as simple as a search? How do I search for some event related to orders, right? You want the kind of Google search type, type experience of all the data in your enterprise. So is there like a, a, a simple portal type product that can go and discover all of your events? Or after you've discovered it, how do you collaborate? How do you collaborate um, with other business users and other technical users on a kind of common canvas. These are parts not naturally in the conversation of how to implement EDA. It's really maturing the technical part of it, which is where techies like myself love to be in. <laughs> but after you've got, got that in place, you really need to take care of how do you make that accessible? How do you really get the values that have been um, expected or envisioned, envisioned from being real time by doing effective discovery of your events, doing effective collaboration, or even audit, right? Which is something was available yesterday is no longer today. What changed? Why did it change? Is it in error? Those are all kind of non integration or non app dev requirements that techies tend not to <laughs> want to get involved with. But from a business perspective, 
they're absolutely crucial to have an answer or at least tooling or, or a means to address. So that's what I would say um, should be part of the first steps for an organization. If, you, if you're going to deploy a successful strategy, the, the risk that most technology-led project will, projects will have is that they've not factored in the business users' um, interactions or requirements. And EDA, at least, allows that to happen better than it has in the past. All integration technologies in the past have, have not been as accessible to non-technical users. And that's why I get excited about EDA, because if you get the first part right, which is everything's an event, and then the event is described within vocabulary of that business, it's this common unifier now between business and IT. And that's the kind of um, cornerstone for everything else to come. I think that's the perfect roundup of the podcast there, Jamil. I think that's 100% correct and, and something a lot of organizations should definitely carry forward uh, when they're looking at adopting this strategy. So Jamil, all I can say is thank you once again for having a chat with me and coming on this EM360 podcast. No, thanks again for having me, Max. And um, yeah, hopefully it, it's helped your um, listeners to understand a little bit more about EDA. And in particular, it's not just a technology story here exactly it's it's a solution and it's it's a benefit for for many many organizations that should be looked at so appreciate you taking the time and thank you everyone who took the time to listen to this episode we do hope you took a lot away and if you are looking for more information or resources then please head on over to solace.com for some fantastic resources or reach out to them for a chat to delve into this a little bit further. We'll be back next week with another episode in our EM360 podcast series. Until then, you can join the conversation at EM360 Tech on Twitter and LinkedIn. Subscribe to the podcasting platforms, and of course, for more great daily content, head on over to em360tech.com. Mm-hmm.